Hi, this is Coach Colette, and you are in the right place for today's Coach Chat episode. Did you know that black men have the lowest life expectancy of any adult subgroup in the United States? Well, as my guest says, once you have made an observation, you have an obligation to do something. And that is exactly what my friend and guest, Brandon Frame, has done. He is the founder of The Black Man Can, which is focused on celebrating, educating, and inspiring boys and men of color. He is also the Deputy Director of Social and Emotional Learning at Urban Assembly. So this conversation talks about how he and the team at The Black Man Can are focused on harnessing joy and positivity to foster a positive self-identity and help young black men and boys to develop greater self-awareness skills. It's also an interesting conversation because we get into aspects of the hypermasculine stereotypes of black men as well as unpacking privilege. Yes, we're talking about privilege, male privilege. So really, you want to tune in and listen up to hear how Brandon is creating a space for young black men and boys to share and discuss what they're dealing with, particularly into. So hi, this is Coach Colette and really excited for another episode of Coach Chat. I have with me my friend, Brandon Frame, who wears multiple hats, but the two that we'll be talking about most on this episode are his role as Deputy Director of Social and Emotional Learning at Urban Assembly and the founder of The Black Man Can. So welcome, Brandon. Thank you so much for, for having me. Honored to, to be a guest um, and, and talk and share and have this powerful and courageous conversation. Absolutely. Uh, And I want to jump right into it and ask you to take us back to the beginning, I guess, with the Black Man Can and sort of let us know what was it that gave you either the idea or the momentum or the impetus, like why, why start this organization? I mean, I think there's a, there's a a variety of things. I think it starts with um, going to Morehouse College um, and being surrounded with my fellow brothers and hearing their stories um, and their hopes for the future it is also grounded in me starting a mentoring program on the east side of Atlanta called Role Model Scholar and Gentleman Mentoring, uh, where um, I was uh, bringing guys from Morehouse to be mentors at the school. And through all that um, and experiences, I realized that um, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, um, once you make an observation, you have an obligation. And so I made an observation that uh, black men and boys need to see positive images of themselves and need to have their stories told. And therefore I had the obligation to follow through on that. 
Um, and so all of that kind of combined leads to starting the Black Man Can in April of 10, 2010. And here we are just over 10 years later, um, where we're a nonprofit organization and conscious social community, uh, creating, amplifying uh, the stories of what Black men and boys can do. That's amazing. And it's always interesting when I when we think about nonprofit organizations. I don't know if you agree with this, but I've heard it said that, you know, long-term vision of nonprofits ideally would be to put yourself out of business, right? Because the the need no longer exists. So I would imagine that 10 years later there is still a huge huge need for the Black Man Can. Uh, absolutely. I think there's always a need to uh, tell positive stories. You know, one thing that I kind of, one way to look at this, uh, it's kind of a, a, maybe a funny way, uh, but I like using like examples to, to prove my point with things. And so one of my favorite, not one of my favorite movies, but a movie that I enjoy watching is Monsters, Inc. Do you remember Monsters, Inc.? Oh my God, yeah. So in Monsters, Inc., what I really enjoyed about the movie was that you know, at the beginning, throughout the majority of the movie, you know, they're, they're scaring kids and they take their screams and then that's how they use that energy to power their community. And then they realize that by creating laughter, um, when you capture that, that actually provides energy uh, on a whole nother level. And so when I think about the work that we do, um, it's kind of like that, like it's needed to promote and showcase um, what black men and boys can do and all the amazing ways that we show up in the world. Um, but that's what we just need for our own energy and our own uh, self-care is to see these positive images and narratives um, because that is what gives us inspiration and that's what gives us hope. And so there will always be a need for inspiration and hope. And one of the forms in which that happens is telling positive stories about black men. That's amazing because we know in the media there are so many opposite or negative images of, of black men and boys and, and women and girls. And, and I love that analogy of how do, we, how do we harness the laughter and joy? Because to be quite honest, right, we're, we're in tough times right now. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's I, I think we're, we're, technology has allowed um, tough t the tough times that we've experienced for the last 400 years to be amplified. And now it's, it's, it's right in your face. It's gritty. Um, it's unapologetically um, there, you know? And so that causes people to be uncomfortable and that, but that's where we know our growth happens. And so I think we're in the midst of, of a growth zone uh, for all people from, you know, uh, white people and how they view all people, all people, of color, specifically Black people, Black Lives Matter. Um, but at the same time, even running an organization like the Black Man Can, it also is amplifying the, the, what we need to do as Black men, one, to showcase and sh uh, celebrate what we're doing, but also how do we show up for Black women, right? Um, I think that all that is taking place, you know, in, in this moment in time on a, on a level that we haven't seen. And, and maybe ever. And so it's important to take this opportunity to turn a moment into a movement so that um, Black Lives Matter, um, but also Black men are also showing up for Black women in a way that um, we may, may have not been doing so in the past.
Right. When you are sitting down and you're having these conversations with um, other your brothers and 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 black boys, like what what's coming up? What are y'all talking about? What are they? I guess I want to hear like, what are they struggling with? And then also, like you said, what are the joys? What are the wins? Um, I think uh, the joys and the wins are seeing your fellow brother be successful. You're seeing uh, uh, healing circles be created and spaces for black men to, to talk um, and build brotherhood, foster positive self-identity, um, as well as be supportive to one another. Like when you say, hey, you know, how can I, how can, you know, we, we do, groups with men and a man can say you know one of the questions will be how can how can what do you need support in and in creating a space for a man to actually be able to open up and say what that is and then not necessarily always be tied to like a professional aspiration or career goal i think those are some of the wins um i think the things that are are that struggle um there's a struggle around us as black men um one suffering in silence um, about a myriad of topics, but also black men recognizing that they actually have privilege. While we're not, uh, while we don't have white privilege, we do have male privilege. Um, and sometimes there's a there's a struggle to actually see that you have this privilege that, uh, and because you you don't see you don't see how you're oppressing uh, black women, right? Because you haven't acknowledged the fact that you're actually in a position of power. Um, and so there's a struggle there. Um, and then that's why it's important for us to create the spaces to have those conversations, to bring more men along uh, uh, so they can see that they, well, how they have privilege. And then by acknowledging that, um, it can allow for them to heal and then see how they can be um, supportive to black women so that we can be um, lock and step together. Right, right. I've seen some of your social posts around that, and um, which I love, and we'll share your social um, links um, in the show notes. But yeah, that conversation of right, how can black men be supportive of black women, and and I think it is interesting when we think about that conversation of privilege. Like it, it's on so many different levels, and I think for all of us, it can be a challenge to think about, well, where is it that I do have privilege, particularly I think as people of color, because you know there's so much of the obvious oppression around us, right? So whether it's like you're saying gender privilege or, or even economic privilege, it can be challenging to see how what I may do or what I may say could affect someone else negatively. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Mm-hmm. So, so how are you convening these conversations? Like, what are you doing? You're out there, you're in the streets. Like what's, what, what is black, the black man can doing to, um, to continue this dialogue? Uh, right now we're, I mean, we're doing, you know, we're having, uh, you know, when we get to, when we have webinars, um, and so many of our conversations are centered around, um, you know, bringing black men together, but in that space, we always talk about that and talk about how can we hold other men accountable and how we can stand in the gap with black women. I think that that's something that we, we don't shy away from in our conversations. Uh, we, try, we do our best with our, our platforms and make sure that we amplify the voices of black women as well. Um, every Thursday is Trust Black Women Thursdays um, and then um, any other way that we can be supportive. Um, even before we got to the pandemic, if we can sponsor um, or support any sort of uh, black women event, we definitely do that. I think it's extremely important. Um, so those are just some of the ways that we're 
we're, we're trying to make sure that we show up um, and then continually looking at other ways for us to do that um, and, and not shy away from any opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. And I know that you know that I had a conversation with one of your colleagues about social and emotional learning at Urban Assembly because you were the one that connected us. Um, how are you seeing this play out in schools in terms of the, the status of, of Black boys in the educational system here in the U.S.? I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole nother issue there because, um, like, there's, like, the work we want to do to get boys as well to see that they have, that they have privilege and that they, um, uh, as well as developing their positive self-identity, developing their social emotional skills, like, there's so much to do there. And so, um, that work and then the K through 12 education system does not give, uh, does not allow for positive self-identity development of our young men. So if you don't get it in school um, and maybe you don't get it at home, then you're going to seek it out somewhere. And then that's in popular media. Um, And then in popular media, we know the images that are portrayed um, through mass media, which then is not necessarily the, uh, it's the the hyper-masculine view of what it means to be a man and, you know, um, how you treat women um, and seeing uh, women not just for, seeing women for only what they can do for you and not for the, the, the essence of who that woman is as, as in her soul and spirit. So there's so much work to do there. Um, and I think with Urban Assembly, you know, we definitely start with that social emotional development um, of having young men be able to uh, learn self-management, self-awareness, social awareness, and social management. And through those different competencies, they are able to um, identify their positive self-identity development and how they should look and show up in the world. And then from there, build on the idea that they that they may have privilege um, and how they can operate in the world and use it and not abuse it. That's amazing. And and I would imagine that that's a bit... Oh, I don't know. Is it unique that you are bringing this conversation of privilege into these, into this dialogue or into the curriculum? No, I don't, I don't think, I think that it, I think what the, what is happening is like the idea of privilege is really centered around white people and them having privilege. Um, and I think that's where it gets, I guess you make, it does make it unique um, because we can all, Everything that a white person may have ever said that was, you know, well, I have a black friend, you know, I don't treat, I don't know anybody who would, you know, treat somebody that way. Those are all the things that a, uh, that a black man ends up saying when, when, when um, faced with uh, the idea that he has privilege and what he benefits from by having that. Um, and so I think it, it is unique to kind of um, at an earlier age, maybe have those conversations, but we have to if we want to uh, shift and have a generational shift in terms of how um, men uh, view women. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of like um, Tupac, and I, I'm not going to get the, the quotes, the, the lyrics right, but he's like, you know, we're going to have a whole generation of, of men that hate the ladies who make the babies, you know, like that's, but that's because we're not doing this work. And so we have to do this work so that that doesn't ultimately happen. Right. And, and how do you create those safe spaces? Because like you mentioned, so often 
uh, black men, black boys are suffering in silence and are taught, like you were saying, that hyper-masculine stereotype of, you know, you hold it in, you man up, all those, all those phrases that we use. How are you creating safe spaces for them to talk about what's going on and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not okay, or this is what happened? Um, it, it varies across, in an organization, we do that through um, our young men's conferences and then like the King's Roundtable, our little dinner series that we do in different cities and the conference that happens in different series. So we, we create those spaces that way. And then I think the same thing happens in, in schools. Um, and that's where the social emotional development is important because like when you think about social management, or even more so social awareness and the idea of how to read a room and then also how to actively listen. So like that you listen to understand, um, you, you, don't, you, re, you don't react to the way you react to words and not tone, right? Um, and so when you, when you develop and help students develop those skills, you can have those productive conversations first maybe as uh, one gender by itself, just males and just, and females. Um, but then um, you can, you then at, at some point you have to bring them both together, right? And then emotions will especially get involved when that happens. Um, and so you have to be able to listen, actively listen um, and listen to understand and not listen to respond in order to be able to move forward and have productive conversations so that you can be lockstep together. I heard you mention uh, like kings and, and, and queens and I, I wonder if, because I, I was an English major in college, so semantics are really important to me. What, talk to me about why it's important to infuse that language and talk about our ancestry, particularly when you are working with um, young black men and boys. Um, I think that our young black men, based off what they learn in school, identify with the fact that their history started as an enslaved people, um, and it did not. Um, and it started as kings and queens. Um, and so I, it's important to, to, to talk that way and then as well as know that what, it, but what is a king too when you, when you get into defining that and a king is a servant leader, right? And so then you start talking about what servant leadership is and um, how you lead from the back, um, and, and just a, a whole bunch of a myriad of uh, things that go into that type of leadership development. Uh, that's really important. So we start there with just the identification, that positive self-identity, but then getting into what those characteristics are that make a, a young, uh, a, young a, a king a successful king. Um, and again, going back to like, you know, we also know kings who abuse power, and so we have to make sure that we train our young men up to not um, abuse power but know how to, to lead in a way that everybody sees uh, the hope, the inspiration, and the confidence in this one person that they can um, be the shepherd that you may need in whatever capacity they're operating in. That's amazing, right? Yeah, so it's about being grounded and being rooted and not using or abusing power to have it's like the power with versus the power over right like not not abusing your your power or your or your status um that's that's amazing and i think on all of the levels that you're working on it's it's compelling and and i'm always encouraged like i said when i read your posts and see the work that you are doing because I think it's really needed, particularly with all of what's happening. Um, are you seeing le young leaders, um, are you grooming young leaders through either Urban Assembly or uh, the Black Man Can, like 
men that are and boys that are standing out and doing amazing things? Oh, absolutely. Across the Urban Assembly Network, you will find young men of color who are um, absolutely well respected and know are building those uh, social emotional skills that allow for them to be the leaders that our community needs. I think about one school you you um, spoke with Dan Trinidad, and I think about the work that they're doing over at um, Urban Assembly High School for Media Studies, and like the young men that you you meet there. Um, even even to the extent that at that school, the leaders of the school are elected based off their social emotional uh skill set so right think about if our government um actually operated that way where the students with the most the most social emotional the highest competency and social emotional uh competent uh thinking um and, and leadership skills if they actually were the ones that led our country right um oh, figure. And so <laughs> yeah. so you see that across the across the network and then even with the, the Black Man Can, while the conference is just one day, um, we're imparting some knowledge and skills and then all the young men, when they leave the summit, they get um, the Black Man Can journal, which is called Define Yourself, Redefine the World, the guided journal for boys and men of color. And so they get that as well, um, which um, is a tool that they can use to do uh, written reflection um, so that they can uh, think about and not suffer in silence, even if it starts with talking with themselves before they seek therapy or a friend uh, to have conversations with. Right. And that's not your only book, if I know my history correct. You're an author of something about tying ties, am I correct? I am. I'm the, uh, the author of uh, My First Tie. It's called The Adventures of Coach and Little Dell. My First Tie, I co-authored it with Tanae Deneen Eskridge, who's based in Los Angeles. Um, and it is a children's book that explores um, or follows this young king named uh, Little Dell and his journey to tie his tie for the first time with his dad. That's amazing. And that's such a, a, a seminal moment, right, for boys. And then you think about, well, then for boys that didn't have that experience or don't have that male role model, right, how how are they then being groomed? And that's, it sounds like not only with the book, but with the work that you're doing, right? You're aiming to help fill some of those gaps in terms of male role models. Absolutely. So what do you think of the episode so far? What are your main takeaways? Before we jump into the next segment, I have a question for you. How are you dealing with the uncertainty that this pandemic is creating? The thing is, we all have different responses to trauma. Do you tend to fight or get angry? Flight or run away? Or freeze? Get stuck? We're all being impacted by this situation in different ways. The goal is to recognize how you respond, find healthy ways to release your anxiety, so you can take steps to thrive once all of this subsides. It is possible when you start within, and I would like to help you to do it. You can visit my website, startwithincoaching.com, and at the top, click Start here to schedule your complimentary activation call. 
We can talk about what's going on in your life right now, how you are in your mental health and well-being, and where you would like to be when this all ends. So go to startwithincoaching.com and click start here to start your journey within. Awesome. Well, I want to shift gears uh, a little bit in the conversation and talk about you (laughs) and talk about how it is that you keep yourself healthy and well so that you can continue to to serve all of the kings in your networks. Um, How do I keep my uh, self? I mean, that's probably like an area of constant growth to maybe get better at. Um, I do a lot of different things um, as director, a deputy director of social emotional learning, um, founder of Black Man Can. I'm also a graduate school student, you know, pursuing my um, doctoral degree. So lots of reading. So I really just try to be very uh, intentional about uh, maybe doing massages. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I haven't been to the barbershop since February. So I'm really excited I'm about my upcoming barbershop visit. Um, because the barbershop is like a form of self-care. Like I look forward to that weekly cut, you know, just to sit and, and come out looking fresh. That's important to me. And I, I think one thing I told myself for 2020 and moving on is to take like those vacations um, when it comes to like the three day weekends and stuff. And like, you know what, I'm going to shoot to an island. I'm going to um, shoot out of the country, you know, just really be um, intentional about my uh, self-care um, in that way. I think that's really important. Um, and I just need to, and then also I think one thing I've always really struggled with is celebrating myself or celebrating stopping to st- smell the roses um, when good things happen. I'm definitely more of a person. One of my favorite books is uh, Relentless by Tim Grover. He talks about three different types of people. He talks about the cleaner, the closer, cleaner, closer, and cooler. Um, and one of the aspects of, uh, I believe it's a cleaner is to not stop and smell the roses. Like once one task is done, you move right to the next one. You don't stop and like kind of celebrate or be happy. Um, and so I need to work on that, um, work on that because that would probably help with my self care and, and me feeling really happy, um, in the world. Right. Yeah. Because I was going to ask, as a mission-driven leader, as it as you are, do you find that challenge of how to balance or how to prioritize your self-care, your needs? And it's even weird, even weird for me to say over someone else, right? But you know, one of the things I always talk about, right? If you airplanes put your oxygen mask on first, right? Before you're helping others. So are, how, how well are you able to uh, balance and prioritize yourself? Um, I, I think it, it comes and goes. I think there's times where like, oh man, I, I did a good job this week or a good job today. And then there's other days where like, I didn't, I didn't do a good job um, with that. And then, I, and then trying to figure out what, what is that balance? Is it like there's going to be a busy season and that's not it's just, you know, you kind of like look forward to, or you plan that vacation. Like, you know, that this is going to end here. So at that point I'm going to plan something or do something. So I think that that's something that I'm really getting more focused on and thinking about just with everything that's going on in my life to be able to identify those times where I'm like, all right, I can go hard for, these six weeks, but I know then I got these two weeks. So, 
Right, right. So scheduling it out and being so that there's like a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. I would say I, I, given all that's going on, uh, how also do you manage the flow of information in like, I find that, you know, not just the pandemic and COVID-19 with, you know, all of it, all that's happening with uh, the police brutality and protests and Black Lives Matter. Like, do you find that you are able to balance how much information you let into your space or into your brain? Um, a little bit. I think um, I, I probably take it all in and then, you know, think about I, I, I don't necessarily have to balance that. It comes in. I think that um, my I've gotten to a point with when it comes to the resistance, when it comes to the revolution, um, I'm comfortable with the role that I play in that being how we use the black man can to um, to be a beacon. Um, in the movement and so being that i am comfortable with that and just think through what the black man can can do it allows for me to be in a space of of uh contentment i guess right um like here's what here's my role and what i can do and using that platform to be a part of that i think that that's i'm, I'm very comfortable with that i'm happy about that and that gives me a, a, a sense of peace um, where I'm, I'm not questioning, I need to do more. I'm not questioning, am I doing enough? Um, I just think about how and what I can use my platform that has been created to uh, be a part of the resistance and the uh, revolution. I'm really glad that you shared that because I think it's great for people to hear that you are comfortable about where you are in the movement, where you are in the resistance and that your work is making a difference and i to be honest there are some times where i have to remind myself of that to not think like oh i should be right but then whenever we say should right that's actually a form of self-judgment so i love that you are comfortable and at peace with the work that you're doing and not feeling like that oh i need to do more and more and more because we know then that leads to burnout right yeah um and so one of the questions that I ask all of my guests on this podcast is to let us know, what does start within mean to you? What does start within mean to me? Start within means to be, to be so reminded of Martin and Malcolm, yet so inspired to sketch your own path. So with that, that means that it's taking that time to think about the amazing things that they have done. And, 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 and you can insert any name, right? Be so reminded of and insert two names, five names, 10 names, but so inspired to sketch your own path. So you think about maybe the work, the impact, the influence that they may have had, and then be so reminded of that so that you're so inspired um, to start within within yourself and think about how you are going to show up in the world and how you're gonna use that to, uh, figure out the, the path that you're going to lay uh, for people to follow in um, or people to be inspired by or reminded by. Um, and so that's what it, I think that's what it means to me when it comes to start within, you know, thinking about I, ideas are spiritual children seated by God inside of us. And he places the people around us and the tools around us for us to manifest those uh, ideas into reality. Right. And so um, and then that, that's coupled with um, every man and woman was put on this earth to do something unique and something distinctive. If he or she does not do it, it will never be done. 
as Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays. So starting within is knowing that there's something that you're supposed to do. If you don't do it, it will not be done. Um, so whatever, and then that means that there's something, then that means God's gonna bless you with an idea, right? And then he's gonna give you all the people, tools around you to make sure that that thing becomes um, a reality. And then as you do that, be so reminded of Martin and Malcolm, yet so inspired to then sketch your own path with that idea that you were supposed to do that nobody else can do except you. Mm, and the church say amen. <laughs> Reverend Brandon's preaching up in here today. Oh my God, that's amazing. I love that. I love, and it extends from what you said earlier around, right, like knowing your role. And, and so I love that, that that expanded definition of bringing it into yourself. And I think because it can be challenging sometimes when you look outside of yourself, or I think, I don't know about for you, and I would be curious to hear also from the perspective of the young men in your, in your worlds, like, I call it compare and despair. Like when you're on Instagram or you're on whatever your social platform is and you're looking at it and you're like, oh, wow, well, so-and-so's doing and so-and-so's doing, right? It can be so quick to get caught up in that. And yet what you've described is, right, okay, I can see that, and now what am I going to do? Do you see any, like, how does social media play into any of this for the young men that you're working with? I mean, social media, with the young men that we have now, when you're talking about young men in middle school or high school, that's all they know, right? They haven't, they haven't seen a world. They don't know Mavis Beacon. They don't know the Oregon Trail. Um, they don't know about floppy disks. Uh, or or, or uh, desk, desktop computers with, that are big like TVs, right? That's not a reality, right? And so... Um, I don't know them either. Just kidding, that line. When you think about that, um, you know, the biggest thing that we talk about with social media with the young people um, is one, thinking about what you consume. Uh, but even more so, and maybe more important, is that you can't let social media rush you. Right. I think we can all think about watching people move on social media and think when my blessing is coming, when something is going to happen to me, uh, why, why not me? And, and go, if you know that, um, if you know that a righteous man steps are ordered by the Lord. So if you know that, then you should know that you can never compare yourself to somebody else. But it takes active practice and active work to not let that happen because our human nature is to do that. And so once we don't, when we don't do that, it allows for us to be. Um, successful uh, when we just uh, run our own race and realize that um, what I, I, I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan, big uh, Nipsey Hussle fan. And so the quote um, that I always say is attack the marathon with the mama mentality, right? But getting young men to understand what that actually is and feels and looks like. Amazing. Yeah, that's, I, I always think not, not from a quote perspective for me, how I deal with that is I feel like if I'm scrolling and if I haven't, like I see your post and I'm like, like, and like the minute I stop saying like, hi, like given likes and it starts giving me that feeling, close the app, like mm -hmm. just sort of like get out of that space. Because like you said, we all, we're human, right? So it's, we're wired to do certain things, but it's the awareness, right? Bringing it back to social emotional learning, like that self-awareness, when you recognize it, then being able to say, okay, that's, that's my scroll for today onto something else. Awesome. So how can our listeners learn more about you, get your book, find out about the Black Man Can? 
Absolutely. I mean, everything is pretty much on the Black Man Can. So you can go to www.theblackmancan.com. That's more, that's the media side. Learn more about the Black Man Can. You can go to our store and purchase our merchandise there. Um, then you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Black Man Can. Um, in that merchandise, you can get the book as well as, again, the merchandise. Um, you can follow me at Brain and Frame. You can also donate to the Black Man Can as the Black Man Can is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Uh, so you can go to www.theblackmancan.org um, and see all the nonprofit work that we're doing um, and donate there as well. Fantastic. Well, this has been such an awesome conversation. Like I knew that it would be it. I hope I look forward to the next conversations with you and Dan, because I would love to be on site in the schools. This is our <laughs> second conversation during like some part of the pandemic, but I look forward to being able to be on site and meet some of these awesome young people that you, that you yeah. both are working with. What, what we'll have to do is um, in the, in the fall or once we get back to everything we'll do, uh, we'll let you uh, moderate one um, with the students. Right. And so we can have a whole conversation with the students and there'll be a whole conversation around students, social, emotional development. Why is it important for schools to focus on that, but hear from the students. So we'll, we'll make that happen for sure. I love that idea. So it's a date. All right. Thank you for joining us and and sharing amazing, amazing points. And thank you for the work that you are doing for young black men here in the U.S. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Um, and I'm looking forward to all the things that we'll do after this, too. If you enjoyed this episode and haven't already subscribed, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. You also can connect with me on Instagram at coach underscore Colette for more inspiration on personal growth and wellness. Stay tuned for another episode of Coach Chat and get ready to start within to finish strong.